Hello, and welcome to Listen In with Lars. I am your host, Lars Haskins, and each week on Listen In with Lars, you will hear from interesting guests and experts from around the world. We will laugh together and learn together on our journey through life. This week, we have a very special guest, Pat Quinn. And a little bit about Pat. Pat Quinn is one of the nation's premier presentation coaches. He has worked with Olympians, New York Times bestselling authors, world-class business leaders, pastors, and professional speakers over the past 20 years. As a former professional magician, Pat Quinn learned the art of commanding a stage early in his career. As a professional consultant and speaker, he has keynoted the biggest conferences and spoken to audiences around the world. Pat Quinn's highly acclaimed signature chalk workshops are a unique opportunity to create the perfect presentation and take your speaking skills to the next level. Pat, thanks for joining me. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, Lars. Perfect. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got started as a presentation coach. Well, you know, most people know me as a presentation coach, but as you mentioned a few minutes ago, I didn't actually get started as a professional speaker. I got started as a professional magician and worked magic for 10 years professionally. After that, I decided I needed to get a real job, so I became a public school teacher and taught high school math for 10 years. During that time, I picked up an advanced degree in how adults learn. And so I really bring two things to the table when I'm working with a speaker. The first is a little bit of stagecraft from my years of doing magic. And the second is a real understanding of how an audience listens to a presentation, how an audience hears a presentation. I'm hyper-focused on your audience because I want to help people have a greater impact on the lives of others, whether that means getting them to sell more, raise more money, or just get their message out to the world. And over the last 10 years, I've been fortunate to work with some of the greatest speakers in the world. I've helped Damon John craft some of his messages and the sharks from Shark Tank. I've helped Tony Robbins and Dean Graciosi with their KBB project. I've helped Grant Cardone and Michael Hyatt and household names that everyone's heard. But most of the people that I work with are not professional speakers. Most of the people that I work with wouldn't even consider themselves speakers. Most of the people that I work with are business owners or people who work for a nonprofit or need to raise money or people who just have a message that needs to get out to the world. And I help them do that more effectively. Well, it sounds like a big array of um, different professions and all kinds of jobs. That's terrific, Pat. <clears throat> what is the first thing someone should think about when they wanna give a presentation right off the bat? Oh, great question. The first thing someone should think about is not what they want to talk about. The first thing you have to get is clarity on two issues. Right. Who is the audience that this presentation is for? And what is the problem that I'm solving for them? See, a great presentation isn't for every living human being in the world. A great presentation is for a very target audience, which allows you to speak their language effectively. The second thing you need to have clarity on is what is the problem that I solve for them? Other people are not sitting around waiting for your program, waiting for your services, waiting for your great ideas. Other people are sitting around with problems. They want you to solve their problems. Right. And so the, if you get clarity on those two things, what is the problem that I solve and who do I solve it for? It's actually pretty easy to write a great presentation. If you don't have clarity on those two issues, your presentation is going to be a hot mess. It's going to be meandering all over the place, and you're really going to struggle to write an effective presentation. Absolutely. How should you start a great presentation? You know, I, all great presentations start with a story. There's a lot of people out there right now 
who are telling you you should start your presentation with a series of rhetorical questions. Have you ever done this? Do you ever worry about this? And you're trying to get people to say yes or raise their hand or whatever. That's a terrible way to begin a presentation. You just met these people and you're asking them to expose their greatest vulnerabilities. It's like walking into a room and saying, raise your hand if you have a rash. It's just not a polite thing to do. <laughs> and it makes the audience feel uncomfortable. If your goal is to get the audience to wanna to go further with you, to take the next step with you, whether that's to join you, sign up for your event, buy something from you, join your mailing list, download something for free, whatever your goal is in any presentation, you should not start your presentation by making the audience feel uncomfortable and vulnerable. Instead, you should go first and be vulnerable yourself, which is why you always wanna begin a presentation with a personal story. A story that teaches the audience about you. In the end, they're not gonna do business with, with a company. They're gonna do business with you. And so you wanna start with a personal story that shows some weaknesses so that when it does come time to talk about their vulnerabilities and the gaps and whatever you're trying to help them with, you went first, you exposed your vulnerabilities first. There's a great book out now uh, by Stephen Martin called The Messengers, Who We Trust and Why We Trust Them. And it talks about the people who we trust always share their vulnerabilities and weaknesses with us. And if you think of like Ellen, the talk show host, Ellen DeGeneres, yeah. she always tells people her biggest weakness. She can't dance. She's a terrible dancer. And then you know what she does right after she tells you that? She dances. Exactly. That's what she does. She does it right in front of you. Mm -hmm. She's going first. The reason people feel so comfortable with her, the reason people invite her into their homes five days a week is because they feel comfortable with her. And the reason they do that is because she went first with the vulnerable sharing. So you always wanna begin your presentation with a personal story. And the other thing you always wanna begin your presentation with is the language of the customer. Everybody who is an expert on a certain area, like plumbers are an expert in plumbing and financial advisors are experts in financial advising and health coaches are experts in health coaching. Everybody who's an expert spends all day, every day, thinking about that one thing. They watch videos on it, they read articles about it, they write about it, they speak about it, they go on social media and post about it. When you spend all your time thinking about one thing like that and you become an expert, your words start to change. You start to use a different language. One of the hardest things for any expert to do is to remember what words they used to use to describe the problem back before they had a solution to the problem. And so one of the things I want to work on with every speaker I work with is what were the words that your customer is using to describe the problem, not the words that you as an expert. As an expert, you might use words like mindset and limiting beliefs, but nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I need to improve my mindset or I have limiting beliefs. We just wake up in the morning and say, I've had a string of bad luck, nobody likes me and I'm not good at selling. Now, as an expert, you know that's a mindset problem or a limiting belief problem. Right. But the person who has the problem doesn't know that that's what it is, or that's not the words they use to describe it. And so if early in your presentation, you're giving a health presentation and you're using fancy words like antioxidants or probiotics, if early in your presentation on financial security, you're using words like required minimum distributions and tax deferred assets, you're doing it wrong. You need to start your presentation in the language of the consumer. You know, two questions I often ask are, 
the night before someone heard you speak, the night before someone even met you, what were they laying awake at night thinking about? What were they worried about? What were they complaining to their spouse or their best friend about? And what words did they use to describe it? You get those words right, and they're going to do business with you. You get those words wrong, and they're not even going to listen to the rest of your presentation. And so you can tell if you're getting the words right because the person you're talking to will be nodding their head and leaning in. You can tell if you're getting the words wrong because the person you're speaking to will be leaning back in their chair with their arms folded across their chest. And so my general advice at the start of a presentation is to spend less time trying to get the audience to understand you and spend more time making sure the audience knows that you understand them. And the way to do that is through telling a personal story. That's a terrific answer. Thank you very much, Pat. It was funny that you mentioned the author Stephen Martin, because I remember something about starting off a presentation like this from the comedian Steve Martin um, <laughs> during his masterclass. And he said, you never want to start where other stand-up comedians with, how are we doing tonight? You said, because you, you just ruined the first part of getting to know the audience and really building that relationship with them. So that was the first thing I thought. Yeah, oh, that's a great answer. That uncomfortable situation of exposing their personal vulnerabilities when you haven't yeah. done anything before that. It's, it's just rude to do as the very first opening thing in any presentation. Right, exactly. That's terrific. What do you think are the biggest mistakes people make when they give presentations? You know, the first mistake I've already talked about which is you don't have clarity on the problem that you're solving for your audience. When you don't have clarity on the problem that you're solving for your audience, uh, your, your presentation is going to be all over the board. You're not, you, you don't know where you're going. And so any road will get you there. And when, if you've ever heard a presentation that's kind of meandering or goes down a lot of cul-de-sacs, or you're like, what was the point of that story? <laughs> then that's, a, that's a speaker who doesn't know the problem that they're solving for the audience. I think the second biggest mistake that people make is they try to teach too much. Most people have too much content. There comes a point in every presentation where you're going to teach the audience something. And most people teach about twice as much as they should. Under the mistaken impression that if I teach you a lot, if I cover a lot of material, if I have 150 slides, you'll think I'm smarter, you'll think I'm a better expert, and you'll want to do business with me. Nothing could be further from the truth. When you teach the audience too much, you teach a whole bunch of content very surface level. You don't come across as an expert, you come across as a scatterbrain. And more importantly though, you leave the audience feeling overwhelmed, guilty, and scared because you covered so much, they don't even know where to start. You are much better off cutting about half your presentation, slowing down the pace of your speaking, and covering what you do cover in a little more depth so that the audience can see the true depth of your knowledge. Anybody can read a bunch of articles and have a breadth of knowledge, but it's the true expert who has a depth of knowledge and can go into one area and talk deeply about it that is going to cause the audience to wanna to work with you. And so I think most people teach too much in their presentations. The fewer words that are in your presentation, the better the presentation is. And when I'm working with some of the biggest speakers in the world, I'm up on the 10th floor of Damon John's office in downtown Manhattan in New York City. Wow. Most of what we're doing is cutting words from the presentation. Mm -hmm. The fewer words you have in your presentation, the more the audience will be able to focus on the words that you do have in your presentation. And that helps you every time. The other problem with teaching too much, Lars, is that the you go over time. 
Yes. And this is the cardinal sin. This is the one that, that really there's no excuse for and there's no fix for. When you are asked to speak for an hour and you're still going an hour and five minutes in, when your presentation is supposed to be over at 11 o'clock and at 11.10, you're still talking, there's nothing that will fix that. You'll make the audience angry. Oftentimes, if lunch is coming up, you make the audience hungry and angry. Hangry, I think we have a word for that. Right, yeah. Uh, and, and if you're trying to sell something, you'll never sell something. It's a terrible way to sell because the audience, uh, you've shortened the break now. If there's a speaker right after you, you've been so disrespectful to the speaker after you because you're stealing their time. There's not more time in the day. You just stole their time. They prepared for an hour presentation maybe, and now they have to give a 45 minute presentation. You really put them in a bad situation. You shorten the bathroom break so people miss the beginning of the next session. Right. You, you make them late for lunch or you shorten lunch. You miss, they miss out on networking opportunities. The vendors and exhibitors who are at the event don't get the traffic at their exhibition booth because you were talking too long. There's just a, a dozen reasons why going long, as a matter of fact, what you should do is end early. I recommend all presentations end 10% early. Now, you probably are not a high school math teacher, so let me do no. some math for you. In a 60-minute presentation, 10% 10, 10 early is six minutes early. So when I'm, when I'm working with someone, coaching someone, and they have a 60-minute presentation to give, uh, we, we prepare for a 54-minute presentation. We practice a 54-minute presentation. Okay. If we're writing a 45-minute presentation, which is a very common webinar, it's a very common keynote presentation, uh, in, a, in a webinar or a keynote presentation for 45 minutes, we write a 40-minute presentation. We end four and a half minutes early. Um, and so we always want to end 10% early. That leaves the audience happy. That leaves the audience in love with you. That leaves the audience with a longer break to buy things or a longer bathroom break or a longer networking break, the, exhi the exhibition booths like you, the women in the bathroom line like you, everybody likes you when you end 10% early. So uh, those are some common mistakes that people make when they give presentations. Uh, sometimes they end early, or sometimes they go late, mostly because that's because they teach too much and sometimes they don't have clarity on the problem that they were actually solving. All right, thank you very much for that. That uh, sounds very informative. Uh, very good. Um, some people are nervous when they have, a give, have to give a presentation, me included. Um, I'm very guilty of that. <laughs> what do you recommend to do to stop stage fright? Because I know this is a very, a very, a very common thing for speakers um, when they have to speak to large groups. It is. And, and you know, the funny thing is, Lars, even some of the greatest speakers in the world, household names that you'll see on Netflix or you'll see uh, every Sunday on your television as, as their pastors or things yeah. like that. Some of them are very nervous too. They've just learned some mind tricks to get over that. Uh, and anybody can get over their stage fright. The number one thing you can do to get over stage fright is to have clarity on the problem that you're here to solve today. See, the biggest reason you have stage fright is because you think you need to be the smartest person in the room and you're not. I'm never the smartest person in the room when I present. Um, and, and I'm not trying to be. You get nervous because you're worried that somebody in the room will know something that you don't know mm -hmm. or ask a question that you don't know the answer to. And that's because you're under the mistaken belief that you need to be the smartest person in the room and solve all their problems. You don't. Right. You don't need to be the smartest person in the room and you don't need to solve all of their problems. 
You've been asked here today to solve one problem for the audience. If you have total clarity <clears throat> on what that one problem is and, and you're good at solving it, then you won't be nervous at all. So if I, I get asked to speak uh, at this big mastermind, there are a hundred people in the room, they all have these $10 million businesses, whole bunch of super successful people. Wow. I wasn't, I was probably the 101st smartest person in the room. But I wasn't there to be the smartest person in the room. And I wasn't there to solve all of their problems because they have problems. I don't even understand the problems, much less have answers for them. I was there to help them with their presentations. This is something I do every single day. This is something I'm really good at. This is something I've done with other people who are just like them. When I focus on that, right before I go on stage, right before I start to speak, I'm not here to be the smartest person in the room. I'm not here to solve all their problems. I'm here to help them with their presentations. And I'm really good at that. I do it every day. Mm -hmm. I have successfully done it with other people just like them. Right. That takes away all my nerves because, and I don't have to worry about getting a question that I don't know the answer to because that's probably a question that has nothing to do with presenting because I've heard all the questions about presenting and I have answers for all of them. And if I get one that I haven't heard before, I'll just say, well, I've never heard that question before, even though I've been doing this for 10 years, I'll have to think about that a little bit or I'll get back to you about that. So I think our nerves come from a, a misunderstanding of what our purpose is here today. Our purpose here today is not to solve all of your problems. Our purpose, and if you would have, if you would have said, "Hey Pat, will you come on my podcast? I might talk to you about anything. I might talk to you about the stock market. I would have been nervous. I might talk to you about healthy eating. I would have been nervous. I might talk to you about, you know, who the your football team should draft in the NFL draft. I might be nervous because I don't know anything about those things. Yeah. You said, "Will you come on my show today and talk to me about presenting?" And I said, oh, I know a lot about that. So I'm not gonna be nervous about that because I know my purpose here today. And I think the number one mind trick that you can do to stop nerves is to remember that you don't need to be the smartest person in the room. As a matter of fact, if you are the smartest person in the room and they know that, that's not gonna help you. You don't need to solve all their problems. They don't want you to solve all their problems. They want you to solve one problem, the problem that you're very good at solving. And that'll take away an awful lot of your nerves. I think that'll help a lot of people, certainly. Thank you for that, Pat. <clears throat> Do you recommend people memorize their presentations? I know that this is maybe a strategy that people have or maybe feel comfortable with. Um, Do you recommend this type of this type of method? You know, everybody has their own technique. I work with speakers who type out their entire presentation yeah. on, a, on a Word document. They memorize it word for word and they deliver it word for word. I work with other presenters who just have a post-it note with three bullet points that they want to talk about and they can go up and speak for three hours. Wow. There isn't one right way to do this. Mm -hmm. But regardless of how you prepare for your presentation, I think there's certain things that should be memorized. I think your opening line should be memorized. Otherwise, when you get up there, you're going to be nervous and you're going to panic and you're going to ask the audience, hey, how are you doing today? Which is something Steve Martin apparently told us never right. to do. <laughs> right. You should memorize the end of your presentation so that you know how long it lasts. Then you know when to begin the end of your presentation hmm. and it won't go over time. And I think there's transitions in the middle that you should memorize. So even if you fall, forget what you're talking about, you can just limp your way to one of your transitions and get into the next section and you'll be okay. Right. I don't want you to memorize your stories. 
Because when you're telling a story, I don't want it to be a memorized written story that you're telling. I want you to actually go back and relive your story, not just remember it or retell it. I want you to relive it and refeel it and go through the emotions of the story with me live so I'm actually experiencing the moment with you. And so we never recommend that you have that you memorize your stories. If you have a script, you know, I want you to put into that script a, a few notes to help you with that story so you know, so you remember what to include about that story, but I wouldn't memorize the entire story. You know, Lars, for years, I struggled even to remember what stories I wanted to tell. Funny things would happen to me throughout life and I'd be like, oh, I gotta remember that. So I'd right. jot it down on a post-it note or a cocktail napkin, or I'd jot <laughs> it down on the back of a receipt and I had this folder where I kept all of my stories. But oh, wow. honestly, I was one good gust of wind away from losing all of my stories because they were just on little scraps of paper. And then somebody gave me a story journal, one book where I was supposed to record all of my stories. And I filled it with stories. It was great. Well, the problem was that story journal wasn't always with me. Sometimes I'd be at work and the story journal would be at home or I'd be at a restaurant and the story journal would be in the car. And so I would jot my stories down on the backs of receipts and on cocktail napkins and on post-it notes. And I'd jam them into my story journal. When I got my story journal, it was like one inch thick. And right. a year later, it was seven inches thick. Oh, wow. All because it was filled with all these little scraps of paper. And I thought there has to be a better way. I looked all over for a better way. There has to be one place to store all of your stories. And I couldn't find one. So I made one. I created a software tool called storylink.com, S-T-O-R-Y-L-I-N-Q.com. Storylink.com is the one place in the cloud to store all of your stories. And if you go to storylink.com, it gives you a place to enter your stories. It's always with you because it works on your phone. It works on your computer. If, you're, if something funny ever happens to you and you're like, wow, I got to remember that. I could put that in one of my presentations. You just go to StoryLink and enter the story. Then anytime you have to give a presentation, you simply go to StoryLink.com. You go to your list of stories and you say, what order do I want to tell these in? I want to tell this story first, then this story, and I want to finish with this story. Push one button and it prints out an organized outline of your entire presentation so you know exactly what to say. StoryLink has taken the process of writing a presentation from days down to minutes. And the best news is I'm right there next to you the whole time, targeted video teaching from me so that you know the best way to tell every story and what types of stories you should be telling in each part of your presentation. So the website is storylink.com, S-T-O-R-Y-L-I-N-Q.com. <clears throat> and for the listeners of this show, uh, if you go to storylink.com and enter the coupon code or the discount code STORY, S-T-O-R-Y, when you register, you're going to get 30 days for free to try out StoryLink, watch all the training, see if it works for you. If it, keeps, if it works for you, you can keep using it. If it doesn't work for you, you can cancel in the first 30 days and not pay anything. Check it out at storylink.com, S-T-O-R-Y-L-I-N-Q. Com. And Lars, it's really changed the way that people are writing presentations. It's a great tool that every speaker and every business owner, every person who works for a nonprofit or anybody who has a message that needs to get out to the world should be using to help them with their conversations and their presentations. Wow, that's a great deal, Pat. I, everybody should check that out. I certainly have to check out that, that link. That sounds amazing. Uh, thank you very much for that recommendation. Yeah. 
<clears throat> um, do you have any final words of advice for our audience? Um, anything that hasn't been said already? You know, I think the most important thing for people who are listening to this, Lars, to know is that they need to be out there telling their stories. Your story is enough. Sometimes I think we get story envy. We hear somebody on a TED talk or we hear somebody on a show or on a, even on a, on a podcast and we're like, wow, that's amazing. I don't have a story like that. Right. Well, let me tell you today, you don't need a story like that. You have your own story. Don't try to copy other people's story. Don't make things up to make your story more extraordinary. The truth is ordinary stories are better than extraordinary stories. Mm -hmm. I coach someone who's been in space. I coach actually two different astronauts. I coach someone who has climbed to the top of Mount Everest. Wow. I coach someone who has sold their company for $1.2 billion. And when they tell stories like that in front of the audience, how many other people can relate to them? None. Nobody else has ever done it. But I coach someone else who talks about uh, accidentally leaving a pot of pasta on the stove and it boiled over and got the stove all messy. I coach someone <clears throat> who tells a story about arguing with their spouse about whether the toilet paper should come out over the top of the roll or under the bottom of the roll. <laughs> when they tell that story, how many other people can relate to that? The whole Every room. single person in the room. Exactly. What if we judge the stories that we told, not based on how many people came up to us afterwards and said, that story was amazing. But instead <laughs> we judged our stories based on how many people came up to us afterwards and said, that same thing happened to me. Relatable. Those are your best stories. And so if you're sitting out there right now thinking, I don't even have a story to tell, you're wrong. The story that you've been given is enough. If it's ordinary, that's perfect. If you have a one in a million story, you're going to help one in a million people. But if you have a one in every household story, you're going to have an impact on millions of people's lives and you really are going to change the world. So just get out there and keep telling your stories. That's my best advice for anyone listening to this. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that. Um, before we go, um, is there a certain way to contact you um, via website, email? What can you, uh, besides storylink.com, which that's I'm it. sure- That's how people should contact me is storylink.com, S-T-O-R-Y-L-I-N-Q.com. And remember, if you use the discount code STORY when you register, you'll get 30 days to try it out for free and see if it works for you, storylink.com. Terrific. I think that's all the time we have. Um, Pat, it was certainly a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Lars. And be sure to tune in next time on Listen In with Lars.